Blog hey everybody, Talk Radio. this is Kathy Clotes Guest. I'm the founder of Keeping It Human. I'm coming to you live from San Jose in Silicon Valley, so welcome to the Improvised Marketing Show. Uh, normally we have audio files that play, and uh, last minute I found out that my audio files were corrupted, and so we have no audio today, but that's okay. I'm an improviser. This is the Improvised Marketing Show, so you're at the right place, and we just go with it. That's our motto. When things break, we just go with it because that's life. So we're so glad to have you here. This show airs on Thursdays twice a month at 3.30 Pacific because we're in Silicon Valley. And it's beautiful here. I hope it's gorgeous wherever the heck you are. And Keeping a Human helps businesses tell their best stories to the world, humanize what they do through great storytelling, uncovering great ideas, and humanizing marketing, because I think that's a really important thing to do. That's what it's all about. Now, this podcast is all about making marketing more human, fun, and effective. And as always, we are a jargon monoxide poisoning free zone. So we don't like jargon. If our guests use jargon, <laughs> we like to play a little game called replay, which in improv, can you say it a different way, but with no jargon. So we think that keeps people accountable and it's fun for you guys. So there you go. And if you've got comments, leave them on the blog. I love hearing what you guys want to learn more about. So I'm always appreciative of that. Thank you so much. One little note I want to update everybody on is my new book, Stop Boring Me, is going to be released in September. Um, so sometime by either after, after Labor Day for sure, but we're, we're trying to make it uh, mid-September. So by mid-September, it should be available. We're concentrating first on electronic distribution, so Amazon, that kind of thing. Uh, And then we will uh, also have it available uh, in print. All right, so I'm very excited about that. Stop Boring Me, and it's all about creating kick-ass marketing content products and ideas through the power of improv. So you too can figure out, all right, how do we use improv and apply it to actually do something great with marketing? And so it's not improv on a stage. It's not about theatricality. It's not about trying to be funny. It's just about how can we take those lessons and apply them to great marketing. Speaking of which, um, let's jump on into it. We have a great guest I want to talk about creating a culture of humor and a culture of humor that enables marketing innovation. I think too often we we talk about being funny or we talk about innovating in marketing, but we never really talk about creating a culture that lets people take risks to build really great stuff. We just don't do that. And people don't just go innovate. Like, what the hell does that even mean? Why should I go innovate? What does that even mean? We have to have a culture that inspires people to take risks. And so we have a great guest today. It's Chris Linland. He is the CEO of Beta Brand. And I, I've seen Chris now present several times, and he had me at the first time I saw him present in 2015 at Funny Biz. And he has contributed a lot to Beta Brand. He's, you know, in terms of its efforts and its products, including Quarter Rounds, Beard, iDrive.com, Silicon Valley Fashion Week. He's a recognized uh, 2015 Ad Week Top 100 Creative. He's a speaker. He speaks all over the place. Like I say, I've heard him several times, and he's just a hell of a lot of fun to listen to. He's spoken at places including Zappos, Clorox, Deutsch, Nordic Commerce Summit in Stockholm, travels a lot, (laughs) Digitalk, University of Chicago, Pratt Institute, you name it. And he's just an all-around fun, smart guy. So with that, I'm going to bring him on, and we're going to talk about just one of my favorite topics, which is instead of just going right to the tactical, how do you be funny? Like, how do you create a sustainable culture that really values this? So let's bring him on. 
Hey, Chris. Welcome all to the show. right, all right. Well, hello, everyone, <laughs> from a grassy knoll outside of a conference center in South Lake City, where if you listen cool. closely, you can hear the sound of air conditioning. Yay! <laughs> that's, that, just so you understand, cool. just so you understand, my commitment to the show is so great, I've stepped out in the 95-degree temperature where it's cold inside, hot outside, but also noisy outside, so I apologize if the audio is great. Yeah, no, we appreciate I'm super appreciative. I know how busy you are, but I I just I, I wanted to talk to you because I think this is such a really important topic, and I'm having more conversations with people about, you know, we, we talk about the tactical marketing of, of being funny, but if the culture doesn't support it, it really doesn't matter. And I find the conversations always drift from the tactical to the strategic. And I'm like, we got to get Chris on here to talk about it. So we appreciate your commitment to the show, and I'm your hype girl. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, let the questions so, fly, and I've used any jargon. And if I do, well, well, I know what happens. You know what happens. You've been you've been warned. I don't think I have to worry about that with you, Chris. Um, <laughs> Give us the story for for folks that maybe aren't familiar. Um, give us the big story of behind Beta Brand because it's I think it's a great story. The how it came to be or what it aims to be. What what's your big story? <laughs> what's your big why story? What are you trying to do in the world? Okay, great. Uh, well, here's the big thing. It is really hard if you're a clothing designer to ever get anything made, and that includes both the people who have these voluminous fashion portfolios that never. You know, none of the products ever get made. And then uh, creative startup people who want to start a clothing brand and run into all the uh, financial hurdles that make that possible. So I, I, having done that myself, realized that a big idea is that you create something that kind of feels like Facebook and a little bit like Kickstarter, but gives designers from all over the world the opportunity to submit concepts and then have the most popular concepts by way of voting and sharing and all that kind of stuff get turned into real things that people buy. So we release a brand new product every day from some creative person somewhere and a global community of fans, uh, you know, bring these products to life for a person. So it is a clothing company that people shop at that puts out about 400 products a year and uh, kinds of really interesting ideas. Yeah. Now, you guys are, to me, you're an idea company, much more than sort of just a, a clothing retailer. And I, I, you know, and I love that you called yourself sort of the Kickstarter of clothing because you kind of are. I mean, that's a really great analogy. Um, what I'm curious, you know, you talk a lot about the kind of culture that you have created. And, and having heard you speak several times, I know you really believe in this stuff. Cause, and you've done some very funny campaigns. You also believe in, in trial and error and going out there and just experimenting. What are the biggest lessons, what have they been for you in creating a, a, a culture of your company? What are those big lessons? Well, it's easy when you call yourself Beta Brand, and, and when folks in the technology world, they know that Beta is sort of the theme for test concepts. So if, if that's your name, you've got to live up to it. So you know everybody knows that when they come to work for the company that it's part of our name. Like testing is just what we do. And that uh, is for products, it's for website stuff, it's for nearly everything we do. And I realize that, you know, we, we, you can never be a community that people really want to get involved in unless you become a magnet for creative people. Well, the best way to become a magnet for creative people is to be creative yourself. 
And uh, that's the really only way to attract people to become part of a community is to behave in a manner that makes people say, yeah, that's pretty interesting. I'll do that too. And so we kind of have this under the head to be interesting always. And, uh, you know, be it for designers, be it for marketers, be it for uh, consumers, you name it. Uh, we are always putting on a show that's designed to attract creative people to it. Yeah. So it, 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 I meant my, the, the long and short answer to you, kind of a mandate for our business to always be experimenting with stuff and uh, truly makes for a fun workplace. Yeah, no question. One of the, the great stories that you told um, last year was you talked about just if an employee has an idea and comes to you and says, hey, Chris, you know, I really want to do that. Um, you're, and I'm paraphrasing here what I remember, but the gist of it was, yeah, you got an idea, go out and try it. Go, just go do it. Don't come to me and, you know, just go out and do it. Find a way to make it happen. And it's it's interesting because you really do um, empower employees to go out there and take those risks. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I do. I, you know, I think there's a lot of things. Like if, 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 uh, if my employees were listening to that, some of them would roll their eyes. And there's a good reason for that. It takes time to develop the confidence to actually go do that. And what I try to do as well as I can is create opportunities for people to demonstrate that, yes, I had an idea for a party and it was pretty fun. I had an idea for a photo shoot and people liked it. And the point is is to find ways to give people the chance to demonstrate that they're good. And our company is, uniquely constructed in the way that gives people those opportunities. Uh, it'd be harder at other companies where perhaps there's a longer lead time with manufacturing of products. Fashion's pretty quick. But, uh, you know, we try it and we demonstrate it when we can. But I find that as our company's grown up to now 80 people, uh, that it, it also takes a, a certain willpower on part of management of the company to say, no, we got to make sure we really live up to this and make sure that people who have ideas get the chance to get a big big audience for them and that we make a point of doing that for real. So I would say the answer is yes, it's a great concept, and yes, we try really hard to make sure it's true, but it really does take people coming to trust you at the company that they're not going to get fired if they try something creative out that bombs. So, you know, that that is a real part of it. And speaking of which, yeah, that's a fear that holds a lot of people back. So with 400 products that you bring to market in a year, some of them aren't going to be successes. How do you deconstruct or handle failure, Chris? What, what's your process for, for learning when you have that many products and that many trials that you're, you're, you're undergoing? How do you handle that? Well, the, you know, to minimize the, the risk of all failures, I guess, uh, you know, for us, 400 products go out, probably about 60% of them are successes and 40% of them are failures. But remember, those 40% are only one single prototype that the world just didn't want enough. So our investment is in 500 of those you know, can't cats that nobody wants. It's one. Uh, so the cost is minimal. And so we, we think of, of ways for people and the company to test out ideas that are first inexpensive, and then if they work, then we pour more money and more effort in. So there, there's nothing I love more than there's nothing I love more than a you know interesting experiment we can pull off where it's really just all done in house, 
done principally with graphics and Photoshop and a press release. Uh, yeah. No, and I love that, you know, with that many products, you, you have to take some risks and you have to learn very quickly. You have to you have to oh, fail yeah. fast. And you do. And I think you're one of the few companies that's really open in talking fail about fast. that. And I love alarm, jargon alarm, jargon alarm. <laughs> fail fast. Say it different. Say it different. To fail quickly <laughs> and move on to what works. <laughs> I love Busted it. You're holding by it a guess. Yes. No. Hey, hey, the host is never above the rules. The host is, has to abide by the rules, man, or there's no credibility. I love it. I love it. Um, you said something really great um, at, at Funny Business in June this past year. You talked about pants that you rolled up for women, and what, I just cracked up because you, the way you said it was, you you wanted smart women in your advertising and in your marketing because smart women are going to be cogent and put together cohesive sentences when they talk about you. <laughs> and I, just I think you're cruelly paraphrasing me right there. I am paraphrasing. No, full disclosure, full disclosure. I he I am paraphrasing, and that is and I, so I say that. Um, Chris, tell that story because I love that you were proud of the fact that. You took smart women, and you wanted to use them in your marketing. And it's the kind of thing you don't see a lot of companies say, hey, we really value, you know, these smart women, and we, we are going after, you know, this demographic. So talk about that. Sure. The big idea is so, you know, we launched a women's line two years ago. And when launching it, you know, with the resources we had, uh, first of all, insight number one, when you use your friends and neighbors to be your models, uh, all kinds of people end up modeling for you. And, uh, and that means they're all, not, they're all not professionals. They're just doing it for fun. And yeah. the other thing is that it turns out I've got a lot of friends with advanced degrees. And I was like, wow, why don't we just launch our entire women's line where we only have women with PhDs as our models? And uh, it turned out to be a major PR explosion for the company. Uh, I sensed that there might be that opportunity in it, and I sensed that it was going to be something that was worth talking about for people, and it turned out to be world news. And, you know, it shouldn't be a big surprise because if you want people to talk about your brand, why not sell to the people who can string together the most beautiful sentences? And those tend to be people with higher educations. And mm -hmm. I think that that is not so surprising that that ended up being the catalyst that completely, uh, completely uh, changed our business. So when we launched our women's line, we were a 95% male business, and now we're a 70% female business. And that only wow. took two years. So in the commercial marketing world, that's a major change. And, uh, you know, it's something that's worth aspiring to. We're doing a similar <sighs> promo uh, this September called Yogaid. Now, the, the big product that came out of that was a product called Dress Pant Yoga Pants, which, you know, if you're a female listener of the show, chances are your Facebook feed is filled with advertisements for this product because it's proven so successful for us. And what we're doing is we're giving back to the women who built our business and so doing by doing a huge fundraiser for the Techstars Foundation, which is a foundation that supports uh, entrepreneurship of women in the technology world uh, by you know, giving a hefty portion of our sales of dress and yoga pants to it. And, again, the focus there is going to be to find creative ways to get female entrepreneurs 
talk about being female entrepreneurs, and if they happen to buy our pants, all the better. Mm-hmm. I think it's so great. I think, you know, women with PhDs don't usually get sought out as a model market. <laughs> and I think that's so much fun for them. And it's such a unique idea. And I love the way you talked about it. And, um, you know, just because you know that that people with PhDs are, you know, they're going to go out and talk about things in a really smart, fun way. And I just, I think I've never seen another company embrace that. I love it. Well, it was an idea that worked, you know. But there's there's also ideas that don't work. But that's an example of us just saying, you know, at that point, we didn't we didn't invest anything more than just saying, hey, uh, you know, your fiance's got a PhD, right? Yeah, cool. Have her invite her friends to come out. <laughs> that's all yeah. the investment was, and that was photo shoots. But it turned out to well, be, I love it. and I mean it, a multi-million dollar idea for us. I think that's awesome. I, and that's the thing is finding ideas in, in places where other people wouldn't look. I think that's really smart and in, in in, and not being afraid to try different things. I mean, um, can you talk about a time, Chris, that um, – and I know I might be putting you a little bit on the spot, but I, I think you can handle it. you got a great sense of humor. But is there a time where maybe you guys failed and you realized, well, maybe that could have worked product-wise, but we didn't maybe market it in the right way. We tried something, and maybe our message was a little off. And um, what, what, did, what, what did you learn from it, too? Um, I don't think so. Uh, well, I mean, first of all, it's important to understand that we do already fail 40% of the time. So for all our pearls, percent of our products make it 40% down. So it's, yeah. that's just the truth. But, it, you know, the, in the industry of clothing, it's actually worse because failure rate is about the same. But they buy the inventory mm. and all the ones that fail. So we avoid that problem. One idea yeah. that I loved, and I still think it's a good idea, but I learned that you really have to have a huge audience to make it work right, is that I tried, I tried maybe it's just my, my belief, but we put out products at the start of a new year, like probably when we were like one year old, that were called goatees. And the joke was that you would put uh, some visual representation that you'd actually draw on your sleeve. Uh, that would be a goal that you have so that if you, whenever you wore this thing to do whatever it may be, you were kind of observing your commitment to do whatever that was. If they were just athletic tees, and we hoped that we could build a community of people that tweeted progress towards whatever their goals may be, whatever they may be. And, you know, it worked really well for about 25 people. <laughs> the rest of The rest oh. of the world did not care. But then again, the rest of the world at that time was probably about a 10,000 first mark uh, mailing list, and ours is about a million or two now. So maybe it'd be mm. a good idea again. But, you know, it's just something that I thought was sweet and could, could be motivational for people. Uh, and uh, nobody wanted it. So damn them. And how much time do you give an idea to, to set a catch? Where do you, with you know, because your failure rate is, is – high, but really not that high considering the industry you're in. I and mean, how much time well, do you give an idea before you go, you know what, this just isn't working? I'll say about a week, to tell you the truth. Because yeah. you can get a read from an audience so quickly of whether there's a there there. Now, some promotional efforts we do, which is interesting, take the, the PhD one. That was the third time I sent out a press release, and I just did it out of pride, to tell you the truth. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 as if the, it's, it's as if the the promo had already failed. I just couldn't get anyone to care about it. And then, you know, uh, it just the third time worked like a charm. And, I, and, and you know, the way that 
the news works online is that something hits and then everyone on earth wants to talk to you within five hours. So, you know, that is the interesting thing about marketing ideas is that sometimes that, you know, your first two efforts just don't resonate with anybody. And in this case, it was journalists. But the third time must have been a slow news day or something because everyone's like, wait a second, that's a great story. And then, uh, and then it blew up. But if I hadn't sent out that third press release, I would not be talking to you about that idea. And I don't even know if that's possible. It's going to be asking you for a job right now. <laughs> I, I doubt it. I doubt it. Well, you. Speaking of which, you guys have been. Your company's been so good about like riding the 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 news wave. You see what's topical, and you gave some really wonderful examples of how like you look at you know memes or things that were blowing up on the internet, and you're like, how do we tie into that? So how do we stay relevant? And you are you personally gave examples, um, and and. Uh, it, they were so spot on, and I, and I think you're so good at doing that. Can you give like an example, maybe for the listening audience, of a time you plugged into that? Because you've done it several times. Sure. I mean, we like to consider ourselves fashion's first responders. That's my silly tagline that I give around the company. Where, you know, what I want people to do is pay attention to the news, pay attention to, you know, pop culture as it becomes themes, and then ask themselves. So what's the fashion angle on this? The industry itself is not set up at all to respond to breaking news. It just is, period. So far from it. In fact, I'm at a trade show right now where I'm looking at clothing that is that people are going to enjoy wearing about a year from now or a year and a half from now. So that's a little bit weird. But so there's a huge opportunity there. So why not be the business that responds to things? Now, some of the examples of products where I sense that there was a news story we could attach ourselves to are things like, Facebook going public, that was one of our fam- or the, the most famous one where we became a huge news story. And that was me saying, well, we were thinking about making a product that was a hoodie with, that was made out of pinstripe suiting cloth. And I was like, wait a second, we've got to make sure we rush to put that live when Facebook goes public because I know how newsrooms work. And at that point in time, the editor was saying, hey, obituary department, do you have an angle on the Facebook IPO? Or, hey, hey, food writer or dog writer, do we have anything that can be connected to Facebook in any way? Because that news was being gobbled up. So I created the fashion story. And as it turned out, by creating the executive hoodie, it was news to everyone. I mean, we had the Zuckerberg's family tweeting about it. We had, you know, all kinds of top PCs that were about to make a ton of money off of the IPO, buying them to give to Mark Zuckerberg as a gift and other Facebook execs, and so on and so forth. But we did something which people in the PR industry called newsjacking, which is we inserted ourselves into a story. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing for marketers to think about, to say, all right, well, what are the big news stories coming up, and how do we become part of the frenzy around it? So that's an example. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great example, and, and I think you just stay relevant when you do that. You stay topical. Um, we, you know, we talk a lot, Chris. This is sort of the, the last question, and and it's sort of a, a big one, but I think it's a really important capstone one. And you know, we talk a lot about content. I think without talking about the culture that underpins it, you know, if you have a crappy culture, you're not going to have great content. I think is we could probably all agree on that. <laughs> um, what are what's one or two big things that you'd recommend? execs, if you're running marketing, you know, what can they do today to give employees more encouragement to take risks? 
Um, I think it's just sort of let go in ways that are okay. Kinds of ways for a person to sort of step up on stage creatively in the uh, course of business for a company. You know, think about things like company parties. Think about things like internal memos or newsletters. Think about things like, uh, you know, the, the, the stuff that, you know, the, the emails that go out to smaller audiences and create that as opportunities for people to demonstrate that they deserve a bigger stage at your company. And uh, I try to do that. And, uh, you know, really when you look at the entire portfolio of marketing messages that big companies have, there's ones that just don't reach really big audiences. And on those ones, the best way for you to train your talent to find their own voice and to become good or better or really understand the work that goes into creating, you know, wide audience professional marketing messages by giving people a shot uh, on smaller stages. Yeah, yeah. Now, and, and that's a great point. I mean, we want our employees to take risks, but if we're not giving them the small risks to take, I don't know how we expect them to all of a sudden innovate and take the bigger the bigger risks on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have time for one final question, so I'm going to ask you, where do you find great ideas? You, you mentioned, you know, news, but what inspires you? Where do you look for great ideas? Uh, honestly, yeah, so I think that everyone who's, you know, involved in a company that they're, you know, that they love or a, a job that is, they're obsessed with or a business that they're starting or anything that interests them, uh, their mind is a stew of ideas about it. And I find that it's really cool to go to places like modern art museums or art museums in general, not to so much look at the art, but to just think. And what's cool is that you've got all these visual stimuli around you that are going to trigger you to think about certain things in different ways. And this is not to say, like, I go there to get my inspiration from Van Gogh. Not at all. Like, I don't elevate making pants to the, the level of important artworks. But I can say <laughs> that you, 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 you walk around and see a lot of things presented in all kinds of cool ways, and inevitably it makes you go, ah, yeah, that's right. There's that thing I was thinking about with the pants, and here's maybe a different way to do it. I always come back with a, uh, a bunch of new angles on things, and uh, I enjoy it. And obviously mm-hmm. travel and seeing new places, you kind of carry this, you know, sloshing sea of ideas in your brain, and if you expose yourself to new sights and sounds, it can help you uh, maybe focus on one of those ideas for a bit. So that's how I do it. That's fantastic. Do you have a um, sort of a quick heuristic for which ones move forward and which ones you rule out? Which I, mean, I, I, go, yeah. I don't know. Things that kind of make me give me an evil chuckle, I think, is the <laughs> trick. Like I'm a I'm a I'm a terrible, you know, laugher in the shower in the morning when I know I've got something where I I feel like okay, that that's got that's got legs, and it's 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 usually something that makes me laugh. I love it. Well, if it doesn't make you laugh, you know, you got to love your own idea or you can't sell it to somebody else, right? So, cool. and by the way, there's, there's all kinds of laughter. There's not laughs that just like, just, ha-ha, that's a funny idea. It's kind of, ha-ha, that's it. Now, there's something. So, uh, yeah. anyway. I love it. I love it. Chris, as always, thank you. I'm I'm so glad you traveling and you found a grassy knoll. I'm, I'm so <laughs> glad it's time to chat to everybody today because I think you, whatever you're doing is working right. Made a 
seems to be rocking. And so it's some of the best, actually, I, I, I wish technology um, uh, marketers were as bold, but it's some of the best and the funniest marketing that, I've, that I see around. And you guys do it consistently. So thank you. Thanks for talking to us today. Of course. Have a great day. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. Bye, Chris. All right, everybody. That's fantastic. I love talking to Chris. You want to find out more stuff, you can go to Beta Brand. Uh, check out Beta Brand online. They have great clothes. They really do. And Chris is just such a fun person to talk to. Uh, I promise you their marketing will make you laugh. It will make you smile. They even made a coat that had the uh, emojis, the, the, the poo. <laughs> The poo emojis, if you looked really closely. I mean, they just do crazy stuff. And I, but I love the fact that they really, really practice what they preach. They believe in experimentation. Of course, the business, the nature of the business dictates that they take a lot of risks. So please do check them out, uh, betabrand.com. All right, everybody, that was fun. If you've got ideas on what you want to see more of, you can always, always put it on the blog. Uh, keepingithuman.com, our blog. You can email me, Kathy, at keepingithuman.com. I love hearing from you. The book will be out, Stop Boring Me, in September. All right, everybody, I'm Kathy Clitz, guest, Keeping It Human, doing my best. So you keep it human out there, too, and we will see you on the next one. Take care, everybody.